Corner podcast, our first episode of 2022. I hope you all had a great new year and a great holiday season and are off to a great start in the new year. Um, This is going to be a very fun podcast today. I'm going to start off the podcast by talking a little college football and my opinions on kind of the state of the game as a whole. And then I'll talk a little bit about the playoff games that happened uh, a week ago now and talk a little bit about the game tomorrow. Um, I don't have any strong opinions or takes really for that game if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, But the bulk of this podcast will be uh, me and Armand's conversation that we had last night uh, talking all things NBA, really focusing in on the Memphis Grizzlies and the leap that they have made this season. You know, very exciting season for us Grizzlies fans. Um, and we just wanted to talk about it and talk about, you know, our future um, and all the assets that we have and kind of where we go from here. Um, are we going to go for a championship maybe, you know, this season by making a big trade or are we kind of let our youth develop and kind of set ourselves up for the next two, three years. That was a great conversation. We also talked about um, MVP, first team All-NBA, and our opinions on some of the contenders in the Western Conference. So that was a very exciting conversation that I will, uh, we will get into later in the podcast. But I wanted to start out the podcast by talking about the college football playoff and the state Of college football in general so as you all know by now college football playoff semifinal games were pretty lackluster as really they have been uh ever since the playoffs inception you know the only really good playoff semifinal games that i remember would be the i think it was the first year of the playoff ohio state versus alabama and then the Georgia versus Oklahoma game in the Rose Bowl. Those are the only two good semifinal games. And the rest have been pretty much what we saw on New Year's Eve this year with Alabama. Now, the score was a little closer than maybe the experts experts predicted. But Alabama handling Cincinnati, really no cause for concern for them in that game whatsoever. And then Georgia, you know, dominating Michigan for four quarters and... It, it kind of just like raised the question for me like is college football is it is it a four team league is it like are there like realistically there are only f- like four or five teams in college football that have a realistic chance of winning the national title every single season obviously you have Alabama you got Georgia you could say Clemson um, I think after this season, they're going to have to prove that they are elite contenders again next year. So we'll see with them. Clemson could be on the downswing. Georgia, I think, is consistently a national title contender. And then LSU, if they're good. I would rule out Oklahoma. Um, USC, I don't think, will ever win a national championship uh, in the current way college football is constructed. Um, it really comes down to Alabama and either a second SEC team or maybe Clemson. Those are the only, and then Ohio State uh, won the first year of the playoff. But I, I personally, you know, I don't, I don't know if Ohio State's going to win another playoff. Just my point is, why are we trying to expand the playoff to, you know, eight teams, twelve teams, whatever? When realistically, there's only 
two, I mean, definitely this year, there's only two teams that have a chance of winning the national title. Um, obviously not because we're down to two teams, but even you know, really all season and definitely in the semifinals, Michigan had no chance in that game. Cincinnati had no chance in that game. Um, it just came down to, oh, Georgia and Alabama had way more talent against in their semifinal matchups and the talent won. You know, and I, as a Michigan fan, I can't be mad at the season or at the uh, that, that game. Uh, they played hard. They ended up, you know, making it not look too awful. Um, and, you know, who cares? We had a great season. We beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten. Like, it's all Michigan fans have been asking for, you know, decades. So, overall, a great season for Michigan. I can't complain. Losing to Georgia was maybe a little difficult way to end it, but it doesn't take away from the great season that Michigan had. So, no, no hard feelings here at all. I'm just saying... Michigan had no chance in that game. Georgia and Alabama are the only two teams that had a chance of winning a national title this year. And it's starting to get to the point where, like, college football is just, it doesn't have the flair and the the chaos, I guess you could say, that it, it might have had in the past. You know, we, we spend all season debating to just extreme lengths on who the four teams should be in the playoff. And it just doesn't matter because Alabama's going to win or a second SEC team is going to win, or maybe a Clemson. Like It comes down to only a handful of teams. The four seed has realistically no chance, and Michigan had no chance this year. So it, it's kind of starting to remind me of the Premier League, and I think the Premier League has um, you know its own issues as well. But in the Premier League, there's realistically, every single season, I would say four or five teams that have a chance at winning the title and over the past five years it's really just been manchester city and it's because man city has way more money than everybody and newcastle now might be uh, in their same situation being bought out by saudi owners that are now at the, actually newcastle is now the richest club in the in in the world so that's another story but over the past few years it's been man city and you know liverpool had that one in there but Man City won two straight, then Liverpool won, then Man City won last year, and they already wrapped up the title this year in December. It's just like the Premier League isn't that entertaining from a who's going to win the title perspective because we know who's going to win basically heading into the season. Manchester City's going to win, and it's basically the most interesting part of the Premier League is who is going to finish in top four to qualify for Champions League. So it kind of, I get that same feeling in college football where it's like, Alabama or that second SEC team is probably going to win the national championship. And the most exciting part about college football is watching to see who the other teams are that make the playoff. And then we get to the playoff and those teams get killed consistently every single season anyway. So that that's the dilemma that college football has. And I don't understand why we're looking to expand the playoff when we have, you know, the situation we're in. And if you add, you know, games like if we saw a, I don't know, the Peach Bowl, like Pitt versus Michigan State, if that was a playoff quarterfinal, how, like, obviously it would be good in the sense that you're not going to have those opt-outs that we saw, you know, all throughout bowl season and all the old heads were criticizing these young players for opting out of bowl games, letting their team down, whatever. I mean, I, I, I really just disagree with those takes altogether because if, if you look at it, if you're in a player's perspective and you have a chance to earn millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever, to play in the NFL, 
you have one game left that means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things yeah you're gonna take that game off why if you have the opportunity to make a ton of money but if you play in that game you get injured whatever and you ultimately lose end up losing out on your chance to get some money playing in the nfl i i, I understand the athlete's perspective 100 percent. i don't really feel like the other the teammates and like say a kenneth walker do you really feel like michigan state's teammates feel like that kenneth walker let him down let them down by sending out the bowl game i mean i don't he carried them to a win over michigan and a 10-2 season like he was the reason for their success this year and they ended up winning that game anyways but if if we did expand the playoff to where it's eight teams, all the New Year's Six Bowls are playoff semifinals, I do like that idea in concept because you have meaning to these bowl games and you have players playing. But if we're talking about like a national championship perspective, it's just adding games that really ultimately mean nothing because these teams have no chance of winning a title. Like Pitt, for example, zero chance, 0.0 in my book, a chance of winning a national title. You're just adding games and arguably increasing the injury risk factor for these draft picks by forcing them to play a semifinal. Not necessarily forcing. They could opt out, but they would most likely play. So you're actually adding an injury risk for these players in what are ultimately, while they do technically have meaning, are also for the most part meaningless because they're not going to win a title anyway. It's going to be Georgia or Alabama, whatever, like, is adding teams to the playoff the solution? In my opinion, no. Now, I don't think we should necessarily go back to the BCS format and only have two teams, but college football has a severe issue in its talent gap right now, and I don't know what the solution necessarily is. I think NIL could have a big difference, um, where you know players see that they have the opportunity to go make money at other schools outside of Alabama and Georgia and whatever because you know we all knew that Alabama and all these teams were definitely and even you know even teams that didn't win national titles like Michigan or um, Oregon whoever were I mean definitely paying recruits before NIL but now that it's open and it's it's uh, you know over the table and it's legal, maybe recruits will start. And this is going to be a you know five ten year process. Maybe maybe recruits will start going to other schools. And we've already seen this, like you know Deion Sanders at Jackson State has gotten two high level recruits. Now I personally think that these recruits committing to Jackson State are actually going to be Florida State commits. Because I think uh, Mike Norvell will probably have his last season in Florida State next fall, and then Dion's going to take that job. That's just my opinion, uh, my my uh, my theory on that. But we, you know, guys have the opportunity of making a lot of money on NIL and maybe even playing more, and you know, have an equal chance of making the NFL if they go to other schools nowadays. Like, you know, if you go to a Michigan or or you go to a Texas, like a massive brand, that is a huge opportunity to, you know, capitalize on NIL. Hopefully that that's my only, like, that's the only way out of this kind of cycle we've been in for the past, like, 10, 15 years of college football, where it's basically been Alabama 
and another, you know, the second SEC team win, win a championship. And it feels like no one else has a chance, which it's been frustrating. And then also, you know, whenever Nick Saban retires, uh, that will be super interesting to see what happens at Alabama. Who takes over? Do they continue their dominance? I think, you know, everyone's been saying Dabo's going to take over for years now. Um, but I, I think that ship has sailed, actually. I don't think Dabo is going to go to Alabama after Nick Saban retires, but it's all speculation at this point. And some other speculation we've seen over the past few days, really this past week, is the Jim Harbaugh to the NFL uh, speculation. And, you know, this really happens every offseason, no matter how good or bad Michigan is. Uh, you know, and it, it's kind of funny because, you know, the national media loves to rip on Jim Harbaugh during the regular season, you know, and whenever it comes to the offseason, all of a sudden he's, you know, the number one guy for NFL jobs. So, you know, that's always kind of a funny narrative that happens every single season. But this th- this year felt a little bit different in the sense that Harbaugh accomplished, he finally got over the hump of beating Ohio State. He won the Big Ten. He got us into the playoff. Like He kind of accomp- maybe, from his perspective, accomplished everything he wanted to at Michigan. So maybe you know this was going to be the year that he went to the NFL with some jobs probably opening. There's some rumors around the Raiders job opening up. Now we're still in the middle of week 18 as I speak. I'm recording this at 5 o'clock on Sunday. The Raiders job could be open. The Bears job could be open. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh played in Chicago, so that could be enticing uh, for him. But there was a report that came out this morning from Chris Balas, uh, who works for, I think, On3, some college football media platform. Um, and he said that Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh will be back with the Wolverines with a nice new contract, and it is expected to be announced officially soon, like within the next few weeks or so. The Wolverine says that Harbaugh will get more money for his assistance, an expanded staff, and a lot of support from the administration. Harbaugh reportedly wants looser policies for transfers, a stronger NIL program to consistently compete with college football's best. As of now, it sounds like the administration is on board with Coach Harbaugh. That's music to a Michigan Michigan fan's ears, obviously, you know. I love the fact that he's pushing for the NIL stuff because I was, you know, just talking about that. Um, NIL could be uh, one of the avenues for Michigan to kind of close the gap with the the massive SEC teams that they just can't compete with at the moment. Um, so hopefully this deal gets done, um, and hopefully Michigan is able to keep Harbaugh uh, on another new contract. He absolutely deserves it after. Uh, this season that he just had, um, outstanding season for the Wolverines. Now, in terms of the game tomorrow night, the national title, Alabama versus Georgia in Indianapolis, a rematch of the SEC championship. Who do I think wins? Personally, I'm going to roll with, um, pro- you know, I think Georgia has a better team, but Alabama has a better quarterback and the better coach. So I don't want to bet against the 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 crimson tide in this situation there are like two and a half to three point underdogs on most books that you find right now so i would roll with the tide plus three plus two and a half wherever you can get it um sprinkle some on the money line but really again i talked about it a little bit earlier the main takeaway for me here is really all season these were the only two teams that have 
had a realistic chance of winning the national title. So I just don't feel much hype over an SEC championship game rematch and all SEC um, national title game. I haven't felt much like excitement over the past few national championships. I want to see like a team, like a a Cinderella. That's why people love March Madness so much is because, you know, a small team like a George Mason or a Butler can make the final four, make a national championship and like have a real chance of winning it all. In college football, it just has not felt like that because there's such a, there's such a, a talent gap in college football right now that needs to be fixed. So I'll roll with Alabama plus three, a little bit on the money line. But I ultimately just I, – I probably won't watch this game from start to finish. And I'll be curious to see like what the ratings come back as because the, the TV ratings that is. Michigan dominated the TV ratings this season, um, drawing like three of the four – three of the four highest viewed games all year will people tune in for an all sec rematch i don't know i just don't feel much hype around it we'll see what happens but now i'm going to get into the conversation that i had with armand last night we talked all things nba and the memphis grizzlies so i hope you guys um, enjoy and i'll drop it right here all right armand joins us on the critics corner podcast now Armand, appreciate you coming on obviously uh, back in Memphis, how you been doing? I, I can't remember the, to be honest, the last podcast you were on. Uh, it is but good to have you back for sure. God bless. I appreciate it, uh, Mister Lok. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Might have been like three months, something like that, since we've done a podcast. Like I've only done one when I've been in school with you and Lou. Uh, so yeah, I mean, oh, I'm really excited. Do you remember was, that? It was the we were broke down every single team in the NBA, like. A couple months into the season or something uh yeah that was a good podcast um but we wanted we wanted to have like a bit of an emergency podcast today uh talking some really memphis grizzlies because we were kind of talking on xbox last night like the grizzlies have made a, a big leap forward this season that i don't even think maybe the most optimistic grizzlies fans expected it but we've had a few things go our way with uh, teams in the western conference kind of falling off i feel like but we've also had guys like Jaw, Bain, even Jaron make huge leaps, especially I think, I mean, you know, I know Jaw Morant is leading uh, the leading, uh, leading the odds books for most improved player this season. But I personally ex- kind of expected him to make this type of leap. I'm more surprised by the huge leap that, that Desmond Bain is, has made this season. I mean, he's looking like a potential, like, I mean, I would compare him to like, I don't know if he can be an all-star in the Western conference, but maybe like a, a Chris Middleton type of player, like a really, really solid two or three, two second or third banana. Um, but like, he's up just like from last season, nine points, 17 points. He had like 20 again tonight uh, yep. against the Clippers. We had a huge win today yep. um, against the Clippers. I don't know. What, what, what are your opinions on Bane and just like the leap we've made so far this season? I love Desmond. I mean, Kind of undersized if, if you're looking at playing him at the three. But as a three-point shooter, obviously deadly. We saw that in his rookie season. Um, really experienced, like obviously not like a, a one-year college guy. So he's kind of grown at this point. Um, I don't know. When I saw his tape, like during the draft process, and I guess a little after – Best case scenario, I saw him as 
a solid three and D guy, like a Roco kind of guy, but less length and bulkier. Yep. Um, and God, is he proven me wrong already? Like Desmond off the ball, like as a ball handler, solid, uh, as a wing guy, obviously like a really, really solid defender, big reason him. I mean, when him and DB were playing without jaw, why we were the best defense in the league. Um, yep. yeah, he can create a lot of offense unselfish. I got to tell you, like Chris Middleton, first of all, Chris Middleton's a great player. He's a top 30 player. He's an NBA champion, second best player on a championship team. If that's what DB is looking like, I, I look at somebody like Clay. I don't, I mean, Desmond is not that level of a shooter, but like, dude, I mean, he, he kind of is though. He's, he's, he's he to it. if he makes this sort of leap again, like in the playoffs. So we saw jaw, like jaw pre bubble. Then we had the bubble. He like made a leap. And then regular season, he was about that guy made a huge leap during the playoffs. And now he's doing it during the regular season. He's even better than he was in the playoffs. In the playoffs, he was disgusting. He like he was like 49 point, 50 point game in Utah. But we lost, but still, it was an outstanding game from him. That yeah, was disgusting. Yeah, he's making a leap. I mean, he's he could sneak in uh, as an All Star starter, maybe. But he's he's a lock to be an All Star this season, and he could if he continues this way, like sneak into like a third team All NBA, maybe. I would say he. If he plays exactly like this, the locks right now are Steph, Jokic, because Jokic's PER, I think, is at 32 right now, which is the all-time lead for a single season. I mean, he's Uh, better this year than he was last season when he won the MVP. When he won the MVP. Unfortunately, he won't win again just because of narratives, and they don't like it. Unless – if he he steps it up even more from here and the Nuggets finish fourth, like above us – He's got a shot. I, I don't think he will win, but I do not to think- wait, Let me say, not to get like too far off topic, but with Jokic, like he is singularly, like I know it's not the most valuable player to your team award. It's the best player with the best stats award, but like he is the most valuable player to his team this season. The Nuggets are absolutely just ravaged with injury. No MPJ, Jamal Murray's going to come back in like April or whatever. They have nothing. Their second best player is Austin Rivers. Like, Jokic does everything for that team. So Aaron Gordon, by the way. Oh, he plays. Okay. Okay. He's been all right. 12 points a game. He's like a, an average starter in the NBA, maybe even a below average starter. And that's your second guy. I think. Yeah. So about Jokic. Yeah. There's a really good argument. If Jokic is not on that team, they're second or third bottom in the West. Oh, 100%. It would be the least talented team in the league regular season. He's carrying them to the playoffs right now. So I would say he's an absolute lock for first team. Yeah, like you said. We got Jokic. We got Steph. I think it's fair. Even Steph struggles the past couple weeks. Steph will probably make first team all NBA. And then you got KD, who is probably the lead vote getter right now. Job beat him. But, I mean, he's probably the lead for the MVP race right now. And then Giannis. Because Giannis has been how Giannis has been coming off a of finals MVP, ex depoy two-time MVP guy, and he just continues to do it at a ridiculous level every single night. Um, so there's one spot, and it's a guard spot. Where has Dame been? I haven't seen Dame. Dame, Dame, Dame been, no. 
they might not even make the all-star team this year. If you look at the guards in the West, yep. Luke has been solid, but he hasn't taken a step. If anything, he's taken a half a step back while Jaws taken two steps forward after taking like three or four steps the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, I really think fight. And then Harden's been good, but not great. So Jaw, if he does this and nobody like shoots up, Jaw could be first team. I know that. But especially if he carries us to like a, a four seed in the West. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, like you said about Luca, he's only played like 24 games. Jaws had, Jaw has missed some time, but yeah, like the Luca hype from the first two seasons of his career has died off. And now people are expecting him to, like you said, make another step. And he, he just hasn't, he showed up like overweight. It's just disappointing because you expect like a player that good to, want to get better i mean i don't want to say he doesn't but it just feels like he isn't just by showing up out of shape and expecting him him like wanting to play himself into shape it's like yep. disappointing like you have one job your job yep. is your body and your basketball skills like you got to take care of that you're making so much money like i don't know I, I just feel like it's not that hard to stay in shape like i i don't even play professional sport plenty of people plenty of people work out on a regular basis and they don't have to you know they're not making millions of dollars to just stay in shape i don't know i mean it's disappointing when players do that in my opinion but very fair. very fair point i would say really quickly about luka jokic had that season where he came back looked really out of shape played himself into shape and then completely changed the next season wins the mvp because he comes in the best shape of his career he's in even better shape like coming into this season and it's shown with his all-time high PER thus far. And then, you know, I look at Luca. I think he could do that. Um, I just haven't seen the sort of desire from him that I've seen in previous years. Cause he had that and he still has that. It's just, I, I don't know. He's yeah. He's not like treating his body. Like it should be the two best players, three, uh, Two of the best players of this past decade, Giannis and LeBron, take care of their bodies like that's their number one job. LeBron invests millions of dollars into his body every year. I mean, yeah, he just is not taking care of himself at a young age. And if he doesn't change it now, he will. like you could change it. I mean, he it's going to get harder and harder his entire career. I'm I curious. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask about Zion because – Okay. Zion's out of shape, but it's largely because of injury. And there are rumors he's like 320, 330. And at that height, with those ankles and those knees, like that is a recipe for disaster. I'm curious. I think like I actually kind of blame Luca for being out of shape. Like he needs to step up. I, I can't blame Zion that much because that's how he's built. Like it's just easier to gain weight. Um, yeah, I don't know what you think about that comparison because those two were looking like the stars of the future. Like for the NBA, it was Zion and Luca, and I guess it's still well, Zion not as much, but it still is with Luca. What do you think about that comparison? I mean, I think that New Orleans food got to him. It's easy to get if you if you spend a lot of time in New Orleans if any of the listeners have, like you know, New Orleans got some damn good food. Zion definitely def- definitely took advantage of that. And I would definitely, I would blame Luca probably a little bit more than Zion. I think Zion's 
I mean, borderline power forward center at this point. I know Van Gundy had him playing a lot of point guard last season, which was terrifying. He got really good when he was running the point for him. But yeah, I mean, it kind of just goes back to the fact that it's your job to take care of your body. And yeah, he's, he weighs simply way too much to play at an NBA level. And I I don't think he's going to play the rest of the season. I think they're going to shut him down. I don't think we see him this season. Yeah, you can shut him down so many seasons. Like he's going to be gone in a year. He could be gone from you. I don't know if he's going to be out of the league, Greg Oden type thing. If he keeps getting injured, yeah. I mean, gone from the Pelicans. Like he's even not play for them. He might never, he might not play another game for the Pelicans, which kind of brings up the question. Like if you're the Pelicans, do you just trade him now to get something in return instead of just letting him walk? What's the market like? For Zion, because the big players that might be available right now, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, Dame's not necessarily available, but maybe he should be, considering where the Blazers are at right now. Simmons might be available. Deontay Murray. What kind of value does Zion have? Because if he's healthy, the only thing I can compare it to, William, is like a few years ago when it was Simmons and Embiid. And people were talking about Embiid, but he was on a run of just terrible injuries. Yes. And he is still injury prone, but people were like, oh, like who has more trade value? Probably Ben Simmons because he's younger. Um, but yeah, what do you get for JoJo if he's playing 30 games? Yeah, he could be a top five, top 10 guy, but he's just getting injured all the time. There might be an equal chance that he's out of the league. With somebody like Zahn, it's probably even worse. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think we even, we didn't see him beat until like his third season in the NBA. He, he sat out a couple seasons, but I would say the upside with Zion is probably still there. I mean, when he's playing, he's an all NBA, he was an all-star last season, right? So he is an elite, elite player when he's on the court. It's just a matter of, like you said, can he stay on the court? And all he's proven over the first three years of his career is that he can't. So we'll see. Um, I still think he's he he can get you a star in return. I don't know if I'm Portland. Do I want to give up Dame for him? Probably not. I mean, if I'm if I'm Philly, I'm not gonna. I just don't like the fit there with him and Embiid. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think he's still an elite player. But that kind of brings it back to the Grizzlies. I I still want to keep talking about the Grizzlies. Like when we were watching that lottery, we were like somewhat disappointed that we ended up with number two even though we knew we were going to get jaw, but we were like, Oh damn, we were that close to Zion. Zion was like, people were building him up as like the next LeBron, but now like the next LeBron level prospect, not, you know, you know what I mean? Um, But it looks like if we did a redraft right now, I mean, I think most people would probably take jaw first. I I think that's fair to say. Could comfortably say that. Yeah. And some people might take Zion third in that draft. I wouldn't. I would still take him second. Wait, who would you have second? There, there are a few guys. Wasn't uh, – I mean, you're not taking RJ, even though he just hit a game winner. That was <laughs> a nice game winner. Over the Celts, which was huge, but you're not taking him off that. That was a 2018 um, draft, right? 20- yeah, I mean, you got – you're probably not taking DeAndre Hunter. You're not taking Cam Reddish. People like Jackson Hayes have already flamed out. Was Hero in that draft or is Hero yeah, in a late Hero was. Okay, you're not picking Hero over him. You're probably not taking Tyler Hero over him. I'm just saying there are some people out there that might just because of how much of a risk Zion is. Yeah, Zion's like you have a 
you have like a 40 to 50% chance of a generational potential top 50 guy. And you have a 40 to 50% chance of a Brandon Roy situation, not a Greg Oden situation. Cause Zion's already shown more than Greg Oden. He's been an all-star, but Brandon Roy flamed out after five, six years. I'd hate to even say flamed out. His body, his knees did not work. Like yeah. he did not have the cartilage. They just broke down and people knew that going into the draft. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you take somebody like hero who could have a 15 to 17 year career over somebody like Zion, if you think Zion's not going to last in the league for another, but for another few years, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's tough, but I would, I think it's unanimous jaw going number one at this point, 25, yeah. five and six, six and five this season. I mean, awesome. I think the big thing for me is he's, improved on the three-point shot, you know, 33% in his rookie year, 30% last year, 39% this year, taking the most he's taken uh, in his career, 4.2. I mean, teams still don't really like honor him at the three-point line. I think um, like he doesn't necessarily, if I'm the other team, scare me from three, but he, 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 like, you have to think about it. Like, you know, he, you I, it's there. It's there. He's shooting 39%. So you got to respect it. Um, the biggest thing with jaw is like, we saw this, we watched that Utah jazz game. We were there for the playoff game last year, but what teams do or did, they were just like, okay, we dare you to shoot. Like yeah. you shoot 30%. It's not happening. We're going to lag off you, not to the level of like Ben Simmons, but almost to the level Rondo was sagged off of like when he was really great. Um, but jaw is now making it wide open so much you can't do that and you also can't do that because even when you gave him that much space you're giving him space to run up make a move and then like a dribble penetration get past you and then he does this thing that only a few great like point guards i've seen or point forwards i've seen in my life have done he does this like slow down kind of like Luca kind of like James Harden does where he, he gets past you but then he slows down not necessarily to get you to like foul him from behind but just to make the defense be like what am I going to do next like I can't attack him because he's going to go blow by me if there's somebody sandwiching him so you have a player behind him player in front of him like the player in front of him can't reach and then the player behind him can't really get in front of him at this point because he's using his body to shield. And then what he does, he has this weird, like, body contortions that he does at the rim where he'll, like, jump up but then come down a little bit and somehow get off a shot that looks terrible. That is a 0% chance yeah. taken 2K. And it's an easy shot for him. Or, like, he can, or he can pass out of those situations, too, and make a – pass to Desmond Bain in the corner who's going to nail three or Jaron who Dylan Brooks whoever it is because we got shooters now right so and he splits a double team better than any player I've seen so far uh this season I love it even if you double team he, he dribbles right through it and yeah he, he's got that like sl slitherliness like he can slither through a, a double team you know like you said attack the rim and earlier I don't know if it's still true but earlier in the season he was leading the league in points in the paint as a point guard which is just unheard of monster yeah i mean he does this he also has a very particular type of finger roll slash layup 
where he comes around and like scoops from far away. It's not like Curry's where Curry throws it up 30 feet in the air, but he just has his arm fully extended and like a hook throws it up and it goes in almost every time. He's just the dribble penetration, the patience he has. And then the patient, like the, the defense just like stops and doesn't know what to do. He has the entire league kind of shitting themselves. Like, we don't know what, what we're going to do. We can't attack him. He's going to go blow by us. He can put a floater, like a 10 to 12 foot floater over our heads. He's got crazy hops. You don't want to be on a poster. Yeah. What do you do with John when he's hitting 39% from three? What I worry about is what we've talked about and something I want to talk about on the pod is the D Rose situation. Like, yeah, Derek the comparison Rose, is there. Yeah. Derek Rose. I mean, obviously the youngest MVP we've ever had, but the way he slashes and goes in the lane, he, he kind of always made me worry that something was going to happen. Like a big injury was going to happen and it did. And I don't get, I won't say I get the exact same anxiety like I do or I did for Rose that I do for Ja. Rose was also a U of M guy. Like he was a Memphis guy. Like we, we really supported him, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though people chanted SATs and all that stuff. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, with Ja, I'm not as worried, but Derek Rose was bigger. Like he he was bigger and yeah, Ja needs to get bigger and not put himself consistently in situations. Like if you're up 20, and there's four minutes left. Yeah. Maybe don't try to jam on three, six foot, 10, seven foot, three guys, because you could come down hard and that's not helping anybody. But I love that he's got the sort of energy and determination that I've probably only seen in Russ. Like, more, it's different than D Rose. I'm comparing D Rose because of like the reckless abandon he has at the rim, but the, so, the sort of like tenacity. I don't even think D Rose had that. I think it's like very rust esque. So anyways, he, I think he's scaled back this season, the highlight dunks in when, like you said, when he doesn't need to go for them, I think he's learning. And I think he draws a smart guy. I think he, he looks at guys like Derek Rose and Russell Westbrook and he's, he sees, you know, how they play their game. And maybe he's going to try to be a little bit smarter with the way he approaches the game. I think we've seen that this season a lot. And I think, the comparison with Rose is a good one. I think Derek Rose is a little bit more explosive and a little bit more reckless at the rim. I feel like jaw has more touch and finesse around the rim than Derek Rose. And we've seen that with the percentages that he shoots. I don't, I don't think Derek Rose ever matched those percentages. So I think jaw is a different version. The Russ comparison, I think is a little like, you're not the only person to do it. Um, it's a little lazy. Like I think he's a much better shooter than Russ is. And I feel like he affects winning at an extremely higher level than Russell Westbrook does. Yeah. I'm not comparing him as a player. I'm saying his tenacity is very similar. Obviously they're completely different players. I'm not like, okay, six foot one to six foot four, super athletic point guard. It's Russ or it's D Rose. I'm saying like the mindset and the toughness that I see, like every play I'm going a hundred percent, that's more Russ. And I absolutely agree. D Rose, like zero to a hundred is more, was 
more explosive than Ja currently is. Um, and Ja is more of a finesse guy. But yeah, definitely don't think Russ and him are similar players. Just like the mindset play to play is a little bit similar. But you, right, because you watch the Grizzlies on a regular basis, whereas people that talk about jaw on maybe a national media, like we see it on first take and stuff, they make that comparison. And I just personally think that's a little bit lazy. I think jaw's a much better player that he will be a much better player when, if he stays healthy throughout his career than Russell Westbrook was. I, I think that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not a Russ guy. And I know that's like a controversial debate in the NBA. I don't want to get into that, but I just think jaw affects winning at a higher level. But another thing about the Grizzlies is we have so many players, like just so one through like 15, everyone's good. We don't have a player that you just can't run out there. You know, Bain, solid, Brooks, really good. Like today we didn't have jaw and Dylan Brooks went down with a nasty ankle injury in the first quarter. And we don't know the status of that right now. Hopefully he's, he's fine. Maybe miss a little bit of time. And we still destroyed the Clippers easily, easily. Jaron had a huge game. And I think Jaron's kind of the X factor for this team and its future because yep. we just paid him this offseason. When he's good, the team is, I think our ceiling is, you know, not in this season, but in the future NBA, uh, an NBA finals type team. If he doesn't get much better, then I don't know. We might have to make a big trade with him involved necessarily. I don't know. I think Steven Adams, while I don't think he's in our long-term future, think this season he's great because he's basically our only rebounder you know jaw uh jaren's weakness is rebounding and adams gets all our rebounds you look at guys like melton kyle anderson tyus jones probably the best backup point guard we've had maybe one of the best best backup point guards in the league Williams, so project clark all of a sudden coming back and having a really good season he had like 18 and 14 off the bench today you yeah, see field goal percent, like his efficiency numbers are ridiculous. Rookie is rookie season. He was hovering around like 60% from the field. He's doing better than that right now. Yes. Which is absurd. So yeah, great, great sort of a uh, rebound season from his sophomore slump. Absolutely. And you know, Conchar, Tillman, Tilly, Culver and Adama, uh, Santi, like all these guys are really good players on their rookie deals. So they're cheap. Right. So I feel like, and it might be a little difficult to match the salary, but we do have Steven Adams who's making like 17 this year. I think he's got like one year left after this year. Like we have a trade in us. It's just a matter of, do we want to make it right? Does the front office want to go? Does Zach Kleiman want to go through with that trade? Do you want to like mess up what we have going on? Cause everyone is so young and the players like all love each other. All of them. We're one of the youngest teams in the league. They play cohesive together. The defense has been great of late. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to touch it if I'm a GM right now. But we do have the potential with all the good players we have and three first-round picks to make a trade if we wanted to. I personally would not want to right now. And the biggest reason is, yeah, all of our guys are young. And even if – like a suboptimal sort of growth for our four biggest young players. So Ja, Jaron, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks. If those guys, like if Ja turn, continues his path, if Desmond doesn't even have to continue this path, if he stays what he is, if Dylan gets a little better and Jaron 
gets like significantly better, that's a championship team. The biggest thing, though, in my opinion, currently constructed, if we're going to win a championship with this roster in the next five years, Jaron has to be the second best player on this team, at least. Yeah. Because Jaron, I'm not saying he has to be a mix of KG and Steph, which is ridiculous, but some people were like, okay, on the defensive end, he's going to be as dominant as KG, and he's like six foot 11, but has as quick of a release as Steph, and he's going to be that efficient. No, like that's probably not happening. Mm -hmm. But if he shoots 38 to 40% from three, if he gets like six to seven rebounds for us, he's scoring 18 to 22 points, couple blocks and steals a game. That's what we need him to do. He would be the second best player on our team, second most valuable. Yeah. He's outstanding on the defensive end already. Outside, we were talking about this before, but in terms of like that long, maybe Giannis, um, but I can't think of anybody else that's that versatile of a defender, that's that long, that can – I mean, AD, they're like a few guys yes. that can guard guards the way JJJ does and cover that much ground in that short of a time for the size he is. So already having that on the defensive end and then having a lot of tools like off the dribble pull up 30-footers and like an okay post-up game that he's improving on, mm-hmm. man, if he – turns it like we need him to be our second best guy because if he just stays where he's at right now Desmond and Dylan like at his best Desmond could be Chris Middleton most likely right um and then Dylan I don't know if Dylan's gonna get much better than this he's a solid player but he's not ridiculous neither of those guys are like probably all-stars we need two all-stars to win a ship even with job like in my opinion, in the West. Um, the thing about Jaron, I'll say, is he's 22. Like yeah, people, people want to write him off. I'm pretty sure he was the youngest player in his draft. He got, came into the league when he was like 18, 19 years old. This, he's super, super young. He has so much time to develop. I mean, we saw what happened with Giannis and the development he had in his career. It took him a few years to get to you know the levels that he reached. So I think Jaron certainly, and he's getting better, a lot better this season. He has time. Um, to get, you know, to be elite, to be an all-star, maybe potentially an all-NBA all NBA guy in the in a few years. Not now, not anytime soon. But, yeah, he can fill out. He can absolutely fill out. And he's a, he's a great player this year already. So he's shown a lot of flashes too. So You also – I want to talk really quickly about the point you brought up. So we have a big trade in us. And, yeah, I don't think – maybe the next year or two it's the right time unless there's a no-brainer like elite NBA player that we could reasonably get not destroy our team um that's on the same timeline okay of course so going out of our way to do that I don't know because like the squad we have constructed if you if Jaron grows into his body the next couple years he's our center and you have Dylan and Desmond as ridiculous defenders and solid offensive players. You have Ja at the helm. You need that other guy, like Zaire, maybe he turns into that guy. Maybe BC improves on defense enough to be that guy as the power forward, or it's Tillman or somebody. But there's so many guys that could develop into that last guy. And then that starting lineup, like I'm more confident in that and a growing team chemistry, like the Warriors model, 
then That's I would be breaking it up this early. However, if there's a Jalen Brown available or somebody like that, it's something to consider. Which we talked about last yeah. night. I brought yes. that trade up because the Celtics, I mean, with all due respect, no offense, Liv, they, they're kind of a train wreck this season. You know, you got two elite players that just don't really know how to, I think, play with each other. It's, it's a lot of isolation ball. And, you know, Tatum, I don't really – he doesn't make players – like he is a great player. He's a top – whatever 20 guy in the league all nba type player all-star consistently obviously but i don't really feel like he makes other players that much better now we saw early in that knicks game on thursday night like he was dishing the ball out he had like nine assists in that game like they they started out that game hot when he was distributing the ball they went up like 20 point 25 points whatever but then you know he reverted back to his old isolation ball type self and the celtics just aren't a good team when he's playing that way and, you know, Jalen Brown, it, just to me, it always feels like he's going to be second fiddle to a, uh, a Jason Tatum. So that I just I personally feel like I don't know if it's going to happen this season, next season, whatever. They might they might break that up. Now, obviously, Jalen Brown, in my opinion, is an elite level player. He's going to demand a huge haul in return. But we do know the Grizzlies have those assets to get a Jalen Brown type of player. We have a lot of young players that we can give to Boston who might be in a little bit of a rebuild. I, we'll see what Brad Stevens wants to do because yeah. Brad Stevens is their GM now. And he, he coached that team for however long he knows everything there is to know. He knows that team better than anybody. Right. True. So if there's a deal to be made, he would, I think he would go ahead and make it. And they, the thing is, they don't have any assets outside of those two players. So if they want to accelerate their rebuild, they have to trade one of them. And Yeah. A couple things. It's so frustrating. We were talking about this yesterday, how, like, this team wasted so many assets. Kyrie, you let him walk. All right. Gordon, you let him walk. You have Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's probably your third most valuable player on that team right now. You sign Kemba to a ridiculous deal. You have to pay to get off his money by giving up a first-round pick and then taking out Horford, who you refuse to pay but are now taking on his huge contract when he's way past his prime at this point. But he's been a solid player for them this season. Um, it's just so disappointing to think, like, seven years ago, how many picks they had. They were, like, the OKC of their time. So many picks. And then you kind of waste it. So that's almost something that is like a warning to a team like the Grizzlies. We, the difference is, though, we drafted well, and we have these players. The Celtics did not draft well. So at least we, it's not that we wasted the picks. We have these assets. We can't keep all of that, though. So maybe we got to learn from the Celtics because maybe we have, like, a couple guys, but we lose the rest of that talent. Grayson Allen, by the way, was our 10th guy maybe last year. It's been awesome for the Bucks. He's he been the tenth guy. He was a starting our starting shooting guard, but we moved him. To he was our tenth, he was our tenth guy to start out the season. Yeah, Excuse, you're right. By the we time the playoffs hit, we yeah. moved him because we knew what Desmond or the front office knew that Desmond Bain was going to make the leap that he did. True, true, true. We still have Grayson Allen. He doesn't make that leap, but I do agree. I think Grayson Allen makes the Bucks better. 
Yeah, that is true. That's like moving Hassan Whiteside to give Bam some room to grow. That's like, you're not just getting value from the trade. In this case, we just let Grayson Allen walk. But um, yeah, we did. you get so much more for somebody that, like, yeah, is significantly better than the person you're letting go of. So that's fair. Um, my question, though, currently, what the Celtics did with Paul Pierce, they were atrocious. They had Antoine Walker and him for a couple years, and they were all right. But they were atrocious until 08. Like, they, there was no hope of Pierce doing anything in the playoffs except very early on in his career, and then the Tuan years were interesting. Mm-hmm. But they kept him. They could have traded him because the team was terrible, but they kept him, and then they traded for these other guys, and then the big three, and then they get a championship. My question is, will it be something they look back on three, four years from now, and they're like, wow, we could have in free agency – signed a legitimate like distributor, a solid point guard that could have unlocked both of those guys instead of them being on ball a ton. And we could add something special, but instead we traded Brown away for a few nice pieces, but it's Jason and a bunch of other stuff right now. And that's not enough to win a ship. Well, you know who the guy that I think they really missed out on this off season is Lonzo ball. Yeah, they definitely did. Cause they, they, they wound up with Schroeder, who's, you know, a solid player. They got him at a really cheap price as well. But I think he's, he's a score first guy they need. And we've seen over the years when they've moved on from guys like Kyrie, um, Isaiah Thomas, I would argue their score first point guards, but that's when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were a lot younger. And, you know, they made back-to-back Eastern conference finals with those, um, with those players, like they need a good point guard on that team. I think that's obvious. And they've, like you said, they've drafted horribly, horribly. And now I would say I'm getting off topic, but the big difference between the Grizzlies and the Celtics young players is the Grizzlies play them. We don't, I mean, we don't know if Aaron Neesmith is good because the Celtics don't play him. Yeah. So it, that's a huge difference um, between the two, but yeah, they need a point guard. Lonzo ball would have been a great pickup for him. That's, that's such a great point. Lonzo on that team, like provides probably like a similar level of scoring that Dennis does. And then is just like an elite facilitator and defender, like on ball defender. So that's exactly what they need. Yeah. Cause then you have three outstanding defenders, Horford smart on defense. Um, the, other thing they're missing is probably a leader and Horford's like a veteran guy, but he's never been that vocal. Um, And he's not good enough. Yeah. He's not at this point. They need somebody there. That's like, Hey, Jason, Jalen, like this is what it takes to get to where you want to be right now. They're working on their individual game and they're getting better as individual players, but this team has been sliding as they've yeah. gotten better. So and the thing about the Grizzlies is John Morant is our best player and he's the leader of the team by far. They all follow him. And yep. he's 22 years old. Exactly. It's because, yeah, you don't get a lot of those guys often. So you need a vocal leader and you need a facilitator as a point guard. Honestly, best thing they could have done if they traded for Chris Paul, 
they would be a top three title favorite. Like if they did a couple years ago instead of the Suns, and they were able to because they had Kemba that was semi-valuable back then, they could have done a three-team deal where they sent Kemba to the Suns, something like that. They pro- Suns probably would have taken that. So, but they didn't. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I cannot imagine, though, like you have three stars like that. You have a vocal leader. You got Horford. I would have loved that team. But anyways, um, back to reality. <laughs> I love the Grizzlies' future, but if we could get – we could not trade Jalen Brown for, like, Desmond and other things because Desmond, Dylan, and Ja, too many mounts to feed. Desmond's so great as a complimentary guy that's also super efficient and great on defense and isn't going to complain. We have to keep him. If we're trading for Jalen, we have to give up Dylan Brooks. I agree. We just have to. Um, and then we would probably give up Adams because of the salary. And then yeah. a, like a, a slew of picks. And probably a couple flyers. Like Zaire's one, but maybe we throw out Brandon Clark. Tillman, Clark. Tillman, yeah. I mean, Jalen, I would give those guys up. I mean, I, I, th- I think they're good players. Yeah. But Jalen Brown races our ceiling so much yeah. that I would do that. I would do it. He just – he needs the ball a lot more than anybody we have except for Ja. Yeah. Like, even more than Dylan. A lot of the criticism around Dylan is that he's super ball dominant. But he's become, like, decreasingly so over the past couple years. So he can take over games, but he can also be kind of complimentary. He still demands it more than Desmond and Jaron. But, yeah, I would – that does raise our ceiling in the immediate future. And also, we were talking, like, Jalen and Dylan are the same age. So it makes sense for our future. I don't know if they do that. I think it'd have to be a three-team deal Mm. because, yeah, the Celtics thing, like, if you keep Jason Tatum – you you should be at least in win now, and a trade for Dylan solid. But those other young pieces, like you'd have to reroute that somewhere else and get another win now guy. Yeah, in my opinion. Well, um, I I think, and we keep saying it. I think we will eventually make some sort of move. I don't think this exact roster right now is going to win a title. And obviously, you make moves every off season. Maybe we'll make a move at the deadline. Or I mean, I wouldn't. I would not be mad at all if they decided to just ride this team out for the rest of this season and see what happens, get a feel for these young guys, maybe increase a lot of guys value. If they do perform well down the stretch and in the playoffs, a guy like a Brandon Clark could increase his value significantly in the playoffs if he performs. And then maybe this summer, maybe we really, really go for it. Um, now the thing is you talk about the Western conference. I think the Suns have a few year window, Utah, a few year window, the Lakers window is closing with LeBron getting older. Anthony Davis has been, you know, a shell of himself. You got Denver. If they get Murray back, what do we, I mean, out for this season. So I think they're kind of out this year. Like you have to compare us to the other teams in the West as well on their timelines and kind of go from there. I think the difference between this Grizzlies team. And we talked about this last night this Grizzlies team and the grit and grind Grizzlies. It's like this time we actually feel like we have a chance to win something like as good as those older Grizzlies teams were, it just never felt like we were going to win a title because we didn't have an NBA superstar like John Morant. And we were a heavily defensive team, as we all know, 
And also the West was a lot better back then than it is now. Definitely was. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers with Kawhi and PG, we'll see what happens with that. I feel like that's a short-term thing, maybe a couple more years of that. Uh, the Lakers, a couple more years. Denver, if MPJ is, like, out of the league in a few years, Jokic and Jamal by themselves, I don't know if that's a championship team. They have enough to beat a great team, maybe two, but not three. And that's what they have to do to win the title, being in the West and then potentially playing the Bucks or the Nets in the championship. Um, or the Bulls, maybe the Bulls even make it. But anyways, yeah, and then the Jazz, we have a higher ceiling than the Jazz. The Suns, CP is going to get, like, old at some point. I guess he's not yet, but yeah. it's not going to last forever. And our trajectory is, in two seasons – everybody's going to be like early prime or like right before their prime. That's the time we could actually win a championship. Another thing is though, we already have John Max and we have Jaron Max. Yeah. Desmond is playing at a super high level this season. If he continues that, he might want to max. Yeah. And then you have other guys like Clark, Zaire, like we have so many young players that we can't pay all of them. And we know Memphis, it's a small market. We're going to have to overpay for anybody anybody period just to get them to play for us that's tough so you have to also worry about the future salary cap stuff and there is the potential of a and this is i think a few years in the future an elite level guy wanting to maybe take a small pay cut to come play with jaw like will we see players in the future high high level players want to come play in memphis with john morant something we've never seen before uh could that happen we might have to make a trade for somebody like that, but they could be happy. Somebody like Drew Holiday went to Milwaukee to play with Giannis. Yeah, um, well, he got traded. True, that's what I'm saying. We would oh, have yeah, to yeah. probably make a trade. Like the, with Cleveland trading to get love, it would probably have to be in the form of a trade because we're such a small market. But people might be happy. People might try to facilitate a trade like that to play with Ja. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're eventually going to, as you said, we're eventually going to have to make a trade. And honestly, it behooves us for it to be a huge trade because we have so many assets that if we make a small trade, get rid of some of like our lower level assets. So for instance, like our three first round picks this year, somebody like a Clark and a Tillman, somebody like a Tyus Jones for like a couple solid veteran role players like a Marcus Morris what that's not going to do anything for us long term so and we can't keep all of these guys as you were saying so we have to make a move it behooves us to put all of that into a deal for a all-star superstar level player to pair with Ja that's not super old um and yeah I guess Jalen's a possibility Ben Simmons no Deontay Murray no Damian Lillard doesn't make sense so, I mean, we'll see what could possibly be available, but in an ideal scenario, somebody like Clay, if you have Clay, Bane, and Ja, and Jaren, like, yeah. you need somebody like a Clay Thompson that can be a complimentary star, that's an elite player and can turn it on when they want. I just, I, that's not available right now. I mean, ideally, we just win the title this year, go exactly. from there, worry about winning the second one. 
exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just win, like, have the first four-peat of all time. Yeah. Well, is it four? Actually, the Celtics might have won, like, seven in a row. Yeah, who knows? But anyways. Um, what about – okay, so we'll move off the Grizzlies a little bit. I feel like we've talked about that a lot. Um, yeah. Let's just talk – we can close our conversation. I kind of want to talk about the West because Clay's coming back. Yeah, this year, and you know, we don't know what he'll look like when he comes back. But who would you say your your favorite out west is right now? Because the Suns are now in first place officially. Um, who, who are you like? Who who do you think right now? Obviously, there's three the three teams, and then a bit of a drop off. So who who would be your pick of the bunch? If I had to pick who's making it out of the West, I put the Warriors first. I put the Suns second, and I put the Lakers third. I know the Lakers are in shambles right now, but LeBron over this past stretch has been playing at an MVP level in his 19th season. Like, this team has won four out of five. Russ – by the way, people are saying Russ leads the league in turnovers. He's been on the top of that chart for a long time. He's just also been dropping 30-point triple-doubles, so people have been playing less attention, and his usage rate has been much higher. But, yeah, like, that's his complimentary piece because AD's not back, and he's somehow dragging the Lakers through W after W, like, putting up ridiculous numbers. So if AD comes back, steps up, and is AD again, and LeBron's playing at this level – and another qualifier is Russ, like, stays in the corner like he was with the Rockets for the first half of that Rockets season. Russ does figure it out usually. Like, he doesn't start seasons out great, but he eventually figures it out. Um, I could see a scenario, realistically, where the Lakers make the finals. So I see that as a bigger possibility than the Jazz, like, beating the Lakers round one, the Warriors round two, and then the Suns round three. I just don't see them getting through that much level competition. So yeah, that's my hierarchy. If I had to rank it, I would have the Suns first, the Warriors second, and probably LA third. I just, I have an issue. Like I don't want to write off LeBron until, you know, they're officially eliminated four games lost in the series, kind of like Tom Brady. Uh, it's hard, and you know they haven't shown us much this season, but it still is only halfway through the regular season. Now, the only thing that worries me about them is if they end up with like the six seed, and they have to go Utah, uh, and then Phoenix, and then Golden State. That's three really tough playoff series when you have an aging LeBron James and an Anthony Davis that has just looked out of source this year. You also have you know an older Russell Westbrook. Now, I do think they're going to be a buyout team. And they're probably going to make a few deals. They don't have many assets, is the problem. And you know, they have nothing. They have Taylor Horton Tucker. That's it. And who, yeah. And who, no one's taking that Russell Westbrook contact except like Houston. But why would Houston want to do that? Yeah. yeah. They're pretty much stuck with what they have. They'll, they'll make a few like tweaks to the rotation, I feel like. So, but I really like this Phoenix team. And, you know, they've, they did it last year. They were actually. Like, if you go back and watch that series, they were really, really close to winning the NBA Finals last year. And it, it happens in every sport. You get a few bounces go your way. You have to get luck to win the championship in whatever sport you're playing. You know, it's, it's really hard to win a championship, and you also have to have luck on your side. 
It's just a fact. Um, but I, 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 you know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Aiton, you know, they, it's a little weird. They didn't pay Aiton. They didn't pick up the rookie extension for uh, what's his face. Jalen, uh, the, the young guy. Um, Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith, who's shown ever since Aiton's been out, like he's actually showing he's a player. He's a piece. He could be the backup center that they didn't have last year in the playoffs uh, when, you know, Aiton got in foul trouble against Giannis, they kind of had no one to go to. Now it is a little, I'm a little nervous in, they don't have Sarge. He's out for the season. Do I trust Cameron Payne for playoff series? While he was great, he did get them to the playoffs or into the finals. He was poor in the NBA finals themselves. A guy like a Jay Crowder, who's having a, a bad season, 34% from three, he's had a down year. I feel like this could be a trade team. I don't know who they're going to get, but they could make a, a trade, like a trade of Jay Crowder, tweak that for number three spot. Um, but Mikael M- M- Bridges, like they're, they're, they're solid. Now the thing about the Warriors, obviously they have Stephen Clay, Draymond aging. I, in, 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 in a four game series or seven game series, Suns Warriors, that'd be an outstanding series, by the way, that'd be a lot of fun to watch. I just like the Suns. I think they're tougher as, as crazy as that sounds. I think they grind the game to they're now they're playing a really fast pace this year, actually, but like they can slow the game down and s- limit the warriors in the half court. I, I would, I think I would pick the Suns in a seven game series over the warriors right now. I, I really like the way this team is constructed as long as they stay healthy, but we'll see. I mean, it's a long way away from right now. So you'd value the recent playoff, like postseason experience, high level experience. Yeah. And as crazy as it sounds, I wouldn't be blown away if we saw a Suns Bucks rematch. Yeah, it could realistically happen. I would just say the Warriors, three ships, six great finals. Um, I don't know. That's uh, that's a lot to overcome for a team like the Suns. Steph is playing. At an MVP level, if Clay comes back as 85 to 90% of what we saw him 2019 finals before he went down, you got Draymond. I think the Warriors are accumulating all of these young pieces, and Kaminga's had flashes. Like, I could realistically see them making a big move. Uh, I don't know if they will, but I really think they should. Getting somebody off a terrible team right now, like, for instance, something I've seen recently. Um, imagine if they got somebody like Christian Wood. So if they give up Wiseman and Ubre potentially, um, as a sign and trade, then oh wait, no, no, no. This is a this is an old trade rumor. Never mind. Scratch this. Uh, <laughs> if they did try to grab a Christian Wood, though, from Houston for Wiseman and a pick uh, and maybe somebody like Kaminga or Moody, that could significantly increase their ceiling because you have a big that can shoot to pair with Draymond. You have Clay. You have Wiggins, who's been great defensively. You have Steph. I like that team a lot. They just... Yeah, they're keeping 
playing rookies is actively like taking away from their ability to perform optimally. And you can't do that in the postseason. Like you can't play Wiseman for over 10 minutes. Like you can't do it. We have, we don't even, we haven't even seen Wiseman this season. We don't know what he is. Yeah. It's interesting because they're kind of on like two separate timelines in the sense that you have Curry and clay who are kind of having their second run at it. You know, they had their 2015 through whenever KD left and they had a couple down years and now they're going for it again. Their championship window is open again. And then you also have the younger players, the Wiseman, the Kaminga, the Moody, when everybody thought when they had those two first round picks that they were either going to move them or whoever they drafted, they were going to move, which they haven't done yet. Now we're still like a month away from the trade deadline. So they still very well could move those guys. But it just doesn't feel like they are to me. It doesn't seem like they have any interest in trading those guys because, you know, and their front office has obviously been very smart and savvy over the years. I think they see these younger players and like, okay, well, once Steph and Clay retire, ideally we're going to have all these good young players that we can still be good. I would go for it though. Like they're not good enough. They're not good enough to take over. And like have a Kareem magic thing where one person's going out of their prime or what a what people hoped AD and LeBron would be over these next few years, which we'll see if that happens. But yeah, none of those players are good enough to take over, even in aggregate. Um, so I I disagree. I would say like no, I absolutely agree that that's probably their mindset. It's shown that they're not willing to make deals and they're trying to have these parallel time ones, but. Uh, I just, I don't love it. And I think they need to make a big trade this season or next season. If clay looks like himself and looks healthy trade, like I brought up before trade Wiseman, even though we haven't really seen him this year, trade Wiseman and Kaminga and a pick for Christian Wood and Eric Gordon or something like that. I really like, I, I like the Christian Wood idea. I think he's, you know, obviously he's in Houston, he's on a terrible team, but he showed, he's shown flashes and he's been consistently good in Houston and Detroit. I really like Christian Wood as a piece on a good, now we've never seen him. We haven't on a good team, but I do like him, you know, potentially, you know, playing a role on a championship team. I really like Christian Wood as a player and it would be not, you know, Houston, I'm sure is willing to get rid of him. <laughs> Definitely, they're sitting John Wall right now because they're in the tank. I'm sure they'd be happy to get a good player off their roster so they can try to get one of these top three guys this season. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see a, a big trade out there because their assets are not good enough to grab somebody like Beal who's not on the trade block right now, or grab somebody like Dame who's also not on the trade block right now. So they'd have to get a piece like Wood. Um, or a couple role players that would help them in the now. And then is that worth it? I still think they should go for it. Whatever the best possible player or couple players they could get for their young assets, I'd go for it because you're not going to enjoy the same level of success you have been the past decade with whatever is going to replace. Like you're just not, you're one of the greatest dynasties of all time. It's not going to happen. So why would you not invest 100% into maximizing and extending this? Um, so, yeah, that's my opinion. I think they will. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. Uh, we got Warriors Grizzlies soon, which is going to be a great game. 
Yeah, and they play, we play uh, the Lakers tomorrow night as well. Like, Back to different games. Yeah, it's late, though, man. It's late. So. But, yeah, that was a good discussion. Uh, you got anything else you want to say or add? Uh, About any of this? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited – to see like big surprises the bulls have continued we talked about each team in the nba and whether or not they'd stay on track Mm. pretty much went how we thought like cleveland's dropped down a little bit the wizards are not really in the mix anymore bulls have been the real deal hawks have dropped off like yeah things are shaking out about as we thought um except for the grizzlies being 27 and 14 yeah just ridiculous uh yeah i'm excited for the rest of the season we're almost we're halfway right now pretty much pretty much um so yeah excited to see the grizzlies hopefully in a second round playoff matchup if we're the four and the mavs are the five i'm excited because i'm looking forward to playing the suns in the second round but if we got the lakers if we got even the Clippers with Kawhi back, if they somehow call back, then I'm kind of worried. Yes, 100%. But I do – whoever we play, we will give them a tough series. I think I if you're one of those top top uh, end teams, top end, like teams with elite-level talent in Los An- the two Los Angeles teams, you're nervous going up against the Grizzlies. That's a tough series. You know, that's not a freaking – whoever's going to be the eight seed, a Jokic led Nuggets team with Murray, I guess, or like the Mavs. Like I'm not scared of the Mavs in the playoffs right now. I'm not scared of whoever comes out of the plan, like Minnesota, you know? So yeah, if you're one of those top end teams and you kind of tank the regular season, now obviously the Clippers can't help it with Kawhi's injury, but if you're the Lakers and you kind of tank the regular season and end up with the Grizzlies in the first round, you're not happy. You're not excited. That's going to be, if they win that, that's going to be three tough series out West. So I would agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that was a good conversation. We've been going for like, like an hour or so. Uh, I think that's, that's a good um, little NBA talk. I I appreciate you for coming on today's podcast. Hope to have you on again sometime in the future. (laughs) Sometime in the future. I I hope so. Sometime Mm -hmm. soon. Um, Yeah. Try to do a movie pod. We say that every time. I want to do one. I want to do one today, but we just, there hasn't been a lot out. We could enough to talk about. We could do a Oscars preview pod. I I would love that. I got to watch more movies that have come out. Me too. That would require some movie watching because I haven't watched a ton. I watched, uh, we were talking about last night. the power of the dog or something like that Western movie. That's getting Oscar buzz bizarre. Uh, I watched the, the Thailand, the rescue Thailand cave rescue thing on Disney plus. That was a really good documentary. I watched that with Liv. Um, the Beatles. the Beatles doc. It's, it's a lot of raw footage. So it's a bit of a slog. It's like three hour episodes, um, but it's good. It's good. Um, uh yeah other than that I, I didn't even see the bond movie so it's yeah bond was solid probably i was saying uh yesterday like probably the third best daniel craig uh bond movie and then probably my second favorite it wraps up the series very well but yeah i mean 
what have I seen? Don't look up was solid. Oh, I should watch that. That's got an Oscar buzz. Yeah, it was good. It's not like amazing. I think it's better. Like there were very mixed critics reviews. I thought it was good. Like it was well, I don't want to ruin anything. Right. So I'm not gonna talk about it here. But uh yeah, very relevant, reflective of a couple different sort of crises we're dealing with currently. So uh yeah, I don't have anything else to add. I appreciate you having me on and I've seen uh you know pretty consistent pods coming out. I feel like it's, yeah, yeah. Critics Corner has taken on a, a new life um, since, in, since its inception and oh, yeah. to, to see what happens in the future. I think this is, yeah, we're like right around 50 episodes. This might be the 50th. So we're still going. We love making them. So it's a lot of fun. Um, this is the 47th episode, by the way. So yeah, listeners, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for making it this far. If you did, we hope you enjoyed and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace out. Peace.